Welcome to Cool Explorations. I'm your host, Tony Peters. Yesterday, we heard David Pollandine of International Justice Mission, or IJM, talk about what IJM does, some of the work that he does with IJM, and how God is really using him and using IJM to make a difference in the world and impact areas that need impacting. And part of the statement that they like to make is from the Bible, Micah 6, 8, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Here is the second part to that interview. Now, we did this beautifully in the Philippines with sex trafficking. Um, sometimes it's called tourist uh, sex tourism, isn't it? Where people will go there and there were, there were it was a horrendous situation where we, we had so many minors, so children under 18 in the sex trade, working in brothels, working and it was just open season. Everyone knew it, it was happening. But everyone just thought it's too powerful. We can't go into the red light districts. These people, they're, they're all you know connected. It's too dangerous. They're too powerful. There's nothing we can do. Well, we were able to, to secure a, a grant actually from um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They were trying to deal with the issue of sexually transmitted diseases and they felt that what we were doing was a kind of a fit so they were willing to support us to go in and to do some investigations on it was actually called project lantern and we went in and working with with the local police um, local investigators we we actually then um st well, we started with a prevalence study and so that meant yeah sometimes investigators going in and doing face recognition some of these guys are just so good at being able to remember names and faces and they would they would sometimes go in covert you know covertly under kind of and they would find out who's where how old they are they'd find over a period of time and so we then were able to start actually arresting and so for a period of two years prevalence and then two years of arresting and we thought we again, we had a measurement. One of the measurements was when you got off a plane, got into a taxi, it would take you about I think it was like one hour to find somebody who was who was a minor in you know the sex industry. It'd take you one hour. Wow. And oftentimes the, the taxi driver might be involved in that as well because they'd see you're a, a Westerner. They think, OK, I know, you know, I'll take them to this place and we can. So that was one measure. Um so that was one way we could measure. Okay, we looked at that when we do, when we'd done the rests and things. Now we thought we were going to see a twenty percent decrease. That was our that was our goal was to say, look to the government, we can work with you, work together. We'll see a twenty percent decrease after four years of doing arrests and stuff. Um, and we worked in Manila. We worked in so in in the, the red light districts, the the areas Manila, um, Cebu, Pampanga. So worked in the areas which were the toughest areas where. It was impunity, like they were just getting away with it. There was no law. There was, you know, there was obviously corruption going on within high levels as well. So and actually, to our amazement, in each area, we saw around 79 to 80 percent reduction in minors um, after we'd done those arrests. And so it, and the same happened to us in Cambodia. And and that showed us that that theory of change was true, that, you know, most people actually are doing it because they get away with it yeah. they're not necessarily doing it because they're hardened i mean they're still wrong i mean they still get they still go down and their sentence is the same as anyone else but often it's 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 kind of human nature they think well, we'll get away with this we're going to make loads of money on this and so that's that's how it kind of spreads you know and so you start arresting people now a trafficker in the philippines will get 40 years in prison 
and it, and it is 40 years you know <laughs> i wish here in the states or <laughs> states in canada we did the same thing yeah it's 40 years so you know it's a deterrent and so once once somebody got convicted that was it others were like wait a minute let's think about this do we really want to go to prison for this long and and so yeah it's it's been incredible and and what happens is it builds it builds a pride actually within within the police that they and, and there are many great police who want to do the right thing they, and often it's it's resources that kind of stop that from happening you know sometimes just sometimes people aren't getting paid their wages and so mm. they have to find other ways which aren't always the right way but I, I think in that context and so we've now got a, a wonderful you know unit focused just on OSEC and out ju sorry just on, on on working in in sex trafficking and so yeah it's just that was a that was a real example of where you can see the deterrent of um of the law can have a massive impact where you've got impunity and so yeah it it, it can work really really well and um, we've seen that again and again in many different contexts so but it has to it has to the government you know we can't do this without partnership it's got to be done in partnership and and 90 percent 96 percent of our staff are from the country you know we don't know we, we go in we don't know the law we don't know we don't know the language you know so it's not it's not like we're going in doing the work no we're having to to work with the experts in that country. And there are many, there are many highly skilled people in, in aftercare and social work, in the police and investigation, in the judiciary. I mean, there's not a lack of talent. Um, and so it is just, it's just directing, you know, the, the people to be able to, it's, it's development work, you know, to, to be able to find the solutions and help themselves in that situation. Um, yeah, and it's funny yeah. how, how God kind of just lines up these, these people and kind of brings them together so that you guys can work together and finding the right people i mean uh, it's it's like what i say with my own work i can't take credit for it i mean it's just yes we do hard work but god has to bring these right people into into the right places so it's interesting to see that totally and that that is it i mean you know i've heard gary Hagen talk about this that often you're look you're always looking for the people that that are on your wavelength you know that that get what you want to do and you know sometimes it's just a case of finding the right people within within each of those areas within within the investigating within the judiciary within the and they're there and once you find that then you've got synergy and you can actually do stuff so sometimes it's just working with a, a unit a police unit who are just with what you're doing and you then present to them the problem and then you go and deal with it and once you, that starts to work, it, it benefits everybody. I mean, everybody feels good about what they're doing. The, the, the perpetrator gets sent to prison. That's a good thing. The, the victim now doesn't feel they're going to get victimized again by the perpetrator and it's closure for them as well. I mean, it just helps everybody, you yeah. know. Um, so it has to be seen, I think. And that's really important that that it's seen. And once you, you have that visible you see that visible example, that model of how it can work, then people start to have faith and say, you know what, I'm going to trust and, you know, I'm going to be willing to testify because they did it and look what happened to them. And it's, it builds confidence. It builds resilience within the system, which is what we want to do. Because at the end of the day, it's about protection. We want to protect people actually from getting um, abused in the first place. You know, if you've got a strong system in place, a strong, you know, a system of law, then, you're actually protecting loads of people that would otherwise be you know would be open to abuse yeah which is part of the reason why i like your aftercare programs that you guys have for people who've gone through this so because there's a lot of mental trauma mm. and physical trauma that's gone on so having that aftercare is definitely 
key as well as being able to yep. give them a kind of closure and bring them into a right place and in many cases price is going to be involved in that that whole process um yeah. i know not everybody's going to be receptive to the word of god but uh in many cases that is is something that uh, people will find comfort in yeah and and you know when we talk about rescue um we've got a bit i don't know We've got a big campaign next month in November looking at trying to raise rescues for online sexual exploitation of children, particularly in the Philippines. But whenever we use the word rescue, we always say rescue from an initial investigation to immediate aftercare. You know, we kind of have that as the same sentence because the trauma starts at rescue. You know, the trauma-informed care, if you've not got the social worker there, you know, the, the aftercare mm -hmm. expert at the point of rescue, you don't get a case because the first thing you have to realize is you're dealing with a victim of trauma and someone who's in trauma can behave in a very different way than they normally would. Mm -hmm. And so unless you recognize that, um, it's very hard, just simple things, just to get a statement off the victim as to what happened. That can be very problematic. And unless you get a good statement, it's not going to hold up in court when you go to court. And so oftentimes that's a big problem where maybe the police force aren't trained in that. And so they won't get a good statement. And then when it goes to court, it just gets thrown out because it just seems like, well, this isn't very, you know, it doesn't hold up. Yeah. So the, the aftercare worker is so key from the moment we we do the rescue, they're there. They're the first people, they're the first responders. Um, they have to be there to, to help negotiate with the police, with the lawyer as well, to be able to say, okay, will this hold up in court? Do we need any more information? Do we, you know, that's, a, it's very practical, but it's really important. So yeah. they're really key, yeah. Well, and for someone who comes from a youth care work background, uh, like myself, I, you know, the police aren't trained oftentimes mm -hmm. in any of this stuff. There are some who, who do have some of that, but for the most part, they aren't trained in how to deal with that stuff, which is why, yeah they rely on the social work system but i know in many countries the social like our own the social work system is so overworked i i do have cousins on my wife's side they are social workers and they are very overworked they have yep. a huge caseload uh and so i that uh could definitely be a hindrance but that's that's where i love having your kind of aftercare program that ijm has uh, and how how christ is is using that to really try and bring this the healing as well as judgment down on some of these people who who are involved in in this industry uh do you see a lot of local resistance usually in the area or is usually the local community pretty supportive of of what you're doing well so com community is an interesting one um so you know each each crime type is slightly different so it depends on the kind of casework we're doing in the country but for example again if going back to uganda um the crime of land theft property theft which again i mentioned boaz in the bible and you know the idea that they wanted to keep the you know naomi married boaz and they wanted to keep it in in his name kind of thing um the victim can go to court and can be proved right and the perpetrator could be sent to prison for what happened and then the victim can go back to their home and then be re-victimized by the community because they brought shame on the name of their husband so sometimes um 
you've well not sometimes you can't do the work without working with the community it has to be a part of the work we do um because it just won't work um and so yeah in uganda we we do lots of lots of work on the ground with the community um, working with elders the elders and the chiefs um because you need you need them on your side when you're doing this when you're actually trying to bring somebody to justice you you know that they're, they're mm -hmm. forcibly the thing is again this is the other thing that in many countries the law is there it's not like we're trying to create a new law it's written in it's written there it's just not enforced it's just because what will often happen is they'll just say oh that's a cultural thing that's something they deal with within the village we're not going to get involved in that you know that's something they just they'll do with that and so it just doesn't get investigated by the police because they just think, well, it's not for us to do. It's for them. It's their thing. You know, it's their community. They'll deal with it. And then they deal with it in their own way. Um, so the elders, the chiefs of the village are really important of the community to work with them, to get them seeing that what's happening is wrong. And actually, it's economically wrong because it's it's not a, it's not a good economic model to throw a woman and her 10 children. Let's say she's got 10 children and often the families are quite big to become landless, to become beggars, because without land, you've got no food because people grow their own food. Yeah. So you lose your land, you lose everything. And so suddenly now you've got you've got 10 people literally begging. How's that helpful? And I think people see that and people see that it's not a good it's not a good way. Now, interestingly, one of the elders, this was in Uganda, said this was not always the way. You know, it's not, so it's not even a cultural thing in some sense. Mm. It's the influence of globalization and greed that people are see that there's money and they want to they want to seize the money. So one chief in one of the interviews we did with 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 the people there said, actually, you know, the, the, the widow was protected and she would be looked after and the children were catered for when that happened. But nowadays people are greedy. And so it's not happening. So I love that because you can draw people back to actually their roots and say, you know, this wasn't if you've got an elder saying that this isn't this isn't always the way it was. You know, we need to get back to how we used to do this. I think that's a great model. But yeah, so community is really, really important. You've got to. And I think we've also seen within within the work that it's we, we talk about the judiciary. We talk about working with the aftercare workers. We talk about working with the um, with the investigators. But. We also need community involvement. We need people who are advocates in the community as well, you know, and that's really helpful when you have you have those community advocates who are actually explaining. And that's the other thing, like when we used to do the arrests in Uganda, you'd have to explain to the community what had happened, because if you didn't, a different story would would mm -hmm. be told, you know, and usually it would be what would happen is the perpetrator who would go to prison for, say, a year would disappear then come back and you say oh no i went on holiday for a year and i've just come back and you know so they could create any story and so so actually what would happen is we we would um we would actually get a paper and we would get people to write we'd, we'd, we'd have this story of what happened and we'd get the, the we'd get the victim to sign it we'd get the perpetrator to sign it to say yes this is what happened and we get the community leaders to sign it as well so everybody could see that this is what happened and if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And so that was re that's really been helpful as well. Um, and then within the community, you know, lot, we've got widow groups now. So you've got groups of women who've lost their husbands who form a co-op kind of cooperative group. Oh, then they can share, they can make things, they can sell it, they can make an income from that. 
Um, sometimes as well, when there was court things, they would they would actually be with each other. They'd go in groups to the court to support one another. So there's there's all that support stuff within the community, which is really key as well and really important. Um, so yeah, community community is key in every situation. Yeah, and it's really interesting to to see that and that bond kind of forming. And uh, we see the same with a lot of prison ministries. You said same that same model, which I I love that uh, that God is working in that way again to bring people together and, and form these these communities and groups to to work together. Yeah. How do people go about supporting IJM? I know they can go to www.ijm.ca, but how do they go about actually supporting you? Yeah, um, I mentioned just briefly that we've got, so we, you know, the biggest, the biggest gift we can give from our context here is, is a financial gift because the money that we have goes a long way in those economies, you know, far, far, far longer than if it was in our, obviously, it's, you know, it goes here, but in those contexts. So, you know, a lot of what we do is about sharing what we've got with others that don't have. So I think that's probably, you know, that is a key premise of what we do. So I know next month, for example, we have, um, we, we've got a campaign on OSEC, which is the online sexual exploitation of children, which is something which is new. It's a new crime, which came about because of the internet, you know, um, and so we're trying to put on rescues for that. So really simple way of doing that is, is you can go on to, actually, we've got a particular URL. It's igm.ca forward slash free. And you can go on there and you can give a one-time gift or you can you can be a regular giver. Uh, we have a Freedom Partner program. So that's a monthly gift. But for example, a rescue costs, to put on a rescue from initial investigation to immediate aftercare, it costs $10,900. It's not cheap, yeah. but but you can break that up. So yeah. as part of that rescue, one rescue kit. So every child gets a rescue kit when they're rescued, toothbrush, toothpaste, towel, basics, hygienic stuff, one rescue kit, $25. So if you break it up, um, a trauma-focused therapy session, $100. So within that, you can give smaller gifts. You don't have to give one big gift. You can sponsor a survivor in a primary school for $400. So there are lots of ways of doing that. If 10 people signed up for $100 a month, that's, or even nine people, that's a rescue every year. So I think you have to break it up and see, actually, this is how we can use what we have. Sometimes we give, you know, we give out of what we got. Not everybody's got the same amount, but it's something that can really, can really make a massive difference in that context. So www.igm.ca forward slash free would take you to that opportunity to give. However, um, we also need to talk about, we also need to talk about these issues. Um, slavery doesn't get talked about enough. Mm -hmm. And I think there are many people who actually don't know that slavery exists today because their, their image of slavery is the transatlantic slave trade. You know, it's the, it's the image of the African being taken from West Africa to the Americas, to, you know, to the Caribbean and being used to pick cotton or you know sugar or whatever the reality is slavery's become well it's far greater than it than it ever was and i don't know if you've heard the recent statistics there's like a 10 million increase in slavery in the last five years so the measure before we were measuring from 2017 and before and it was 40.3 million people in slavery 
since 2017, they've just done another measure in 2000 and just just recently, and they're now saying it's actually 50 million. So that is a jump. And that's down to three things. It's down to COVID because of lockdowns. It's down to climate change because you've got displacement of people from the land. So they become migrant workers and they're vulnerable to slavery. Also, a lot of the climate change, a lot of the industries that destroy the earth are mineral extraction, gold, farming. It's all the things that support slavery. So climate change is it's it's a big one. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's a big one. So. Yeah, you, you know, you've got you've got these challenges um, at the moment. So we we need to talk about it. We need um, for it not to be a taboo subject to talk about sexual exploitation, to talk about um, slavery. It it is it is it is actually very shameful that we're all connected. You know, we can't we can't be sure where our clothes come from. We don't know that there's not slavery attached to the things we wear, yeah. to the makeup we put on, to the things we drink, to the I mean everything that supports our Western lifestyle could well be touched by slavery. So we've got to get a bit more active in looking at that. And so I think just raising awareness, you can go online. We've got social, you know, we've got social media. You mentioned LinkedIn and we've got same on Instagram and Facebook where you can just share stories. You know, just if there's a story about a rescue, about a prosecution, about whatever, just share it and just have a little comment. It's always good to put a comment on the share as well because people are more likely to read it. But just give your opinion on what what you what you see. And I think sharing those things, obviously from IGM, but there are other organizations that do the work that you can share from as well. And I think just getting people talking about it and just being more aware that there are modern day forms of slavery which dwarf the slave trade from the transatlantic times. I mean, there are way more people now in slavery because of what's happening through lots of different types of slavery, which is which 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 continue to happen because they're profitable, you know, because they make loads of money. And so, you know, all of the garment industry, um, you know, it could be, you know, it could it could be something with farming. Um, it could be to do with sex trade and the, you know, I think there's a, I think trafficking is a hundred and fifty billion dollar industry. Human, you know, a sex trafficking, yeah. hundred and fifty billion dollar industry. Yeah. You can see why it thrives. You know, yeah. you the, can the see the tech industry is a huge <sighs> part of that. And a lot of yeah. the materials that go into making computer chips and Yep. the materials for your cell phone as i brought up before and yep. laptops and stuff like it yep. so much of that technology that the material for it, yep. it is mined by slaves and yep. and yep. many of them are children yeah and many of them die during that process yep. so it, yep. it is definitely something that we need to talk about and be aware of and uh, yep. it's something that as christians we need to be really mindful about what we're supporting and yep. and that yeah so thank you, Tony, for this podcast, because this is part of that talking, having that conversation, getting it out there. You know, talking about these things are really key. And actually, that has to happen before we can pray. You know, we can't pray unless we know the unless we know what we're going to pray about. So I think it's really important that we do that talking part. We do that sharing. We, we you know, we, we've got the power of social media to share this stuff and for good, you know, is there. So we should be doing that. Um, but then, of course, we've got that ability that we can actually then pray about it as well as Christians and as churches. So uh, another another thing that we do is called Freedom Sunday, which churches can get involved in as well. Actually, they can put on a Freedom Sunday and they can focus on a particular issue. So, again, they can go to we've got a, a link www.igm.ca forward slash freedom sunday so that's another opportunity that a church could and we would help supply the church with you know resources and stuff stories videos all that kind of stuff 
so yeah i just it's just good to be proactive and to take the initiative to do these things once you hear it i mean wilberforce said didn't he once you've seen it you can't unsee it you know once you saw the slave trade you can't unsee unsee it and i think we've got to be prepared to see these things uh the temptation and i get the temptation i get it because we're it's saturated by bad news the news is as full of tragedy and so i get that can be quite heavy you know to keep looking at but once we've seen these things actually by being proactive it can lift that feeling of oppression from us if we're actually doing something positive to help yeah. and i love that on your linkedin that with ijm you see these stories of successes that have been happening i do find those things uplifting because i'm like i'm like that is god at work like yeah. god is 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 putting a stop to these wrongs that the devil has has going on in our society uh, and part of that uh, is a lot of them feel trapped. And what advice would you have for those who are feeling like that they're, they're trapped in these situations that they can't get out? Yeah. And I mean, you know, even not limited, even not limiting that to slavery, just to, yeah. to violence. I mean, we also within Uganda, actually, we've, we kind of have now a bigger focus and the focus now is violence against women and children. And that's become quite a we do the same in Latin America because it, it just covers more things. Yeah. I mean, one is intimate partner violence is a big is a big issue in actually both in, in Latin America and also in in Uganda and other and other countries and, and in the West as well. Yeah. Um, and I think often the reason the reason that people are trapped is that nobody knows about what's going on now sometimes that because there's just nobody that you can tell oftentimes there are people you can speak to you know um you, you always take a risk obviously when you share things so you know you've got to be sensible you don't want to to make yourself more vulnerable in a situation but if it's if it's a desperate situation um I would say you need to find you just need to find someone you can share you can share it with share that information with um because unless you do that nothing will change exactly. unless you yeah you, you you're trapped you know and i think the other thing to realize and i'm speaking really not from i'm not speaking from from experience so i want to put that up there as well i i i, I kind of i kind of offer this advice slightly um gingerly because you know who am I to who am I to to give advice on this topic? But I think we we always have a choice. We we always have a choice, even if it's a hard choice. <laughs> we do have a choice, and um, you know we've we've got staff who have actually lost their lives in this particular issue in intimate partner violence. Um, and and ironically, the, the the casework they were working with IGM on was intimate part of violence and yet in their own home they were experiencing it because it was within the culture where that was prevalent you know so i think it is a case of of finding someone you can share that with um and maybe not i think i think we all do this we kind of we kind of take responsibility for what hasn't happened we kind of we run scenarios in our head about if i do that oh then this will happen and then that's going to happen so i'm not going to do it you know even about little things we do that all the time you know, I do that all the time. I take responsibility for things that I've got no control over, you know. So I think I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to even start to create a whole plan about what you're going to do. I would just say just do that first step of sharing with somebody what's going on, you know, that you can trust in a safe space. And and just 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 see, you know, very cautiously, but just see how that can actually progress and 
and there's strength with with two there is strength with two and we know that from a bible perspective that yeah. two or more two or more you know we have a strength so i i wouldn't want to offer any more advice than that because i think it it, it always depends on the situation doesn't it and the scenario yeah. that you're dealing with but but I think that is really key because because you're just uh, if you're if you have not shared it with somebody, you are so trapped. You're so alone. I mean, it just has an impact not just on your physical health, but on your mental health as well. Mm. Um, and often the abuse is has been normalized. Often it's become almost a ritual. It's always become, you know, something that your people get used to. They um, and they don't need to. Yeah. yeah um, you never know how God's going to use that other person. Nope. in your life you, you never know until until you take that like you say that that chance that risk um and uh it, it is definitely it's something that in the past we've seen success with is you know just reaching out to someone and that's enough that it just yeah snowballs into something that gets you out of that situation and yeah. can give you hope it can give you encouragement uh and strength yeah and, and and that's that's often how we find cases that's that's how we find our cases because somebody comes up to us and says i've got a friend and this is the situation can you help them so often that's what's happened somebody shared with somebody what's going on and then they've come to us and then they don't realize that actually if they if they went through a kind of a, a sort of a an official government system because of the resources, because of lack of resources and things, they might not get the protection and stuff. But if they're going to do it through working with IGN, they're going to get protected. They're going to get all of the things that are needed to, to take them through the justice system. So um, they suddenly realize, oh, actually, it's not as big a risk as I thought it was because, you know, um, I can get protected here. And, and actually, then that's why it's so important that the perpetrator is, is brought to justice uh, because unless that happens we there's a case in um we had a case in i think it was in i think it was in kenya it's in africa one of our countries in africa we work in where the young girl um walked to school just like you know she, she everybody walks to school and one day on her way to school a taxi they they call i think it's a bodu bodu driver they drive motorbikes but they, they taxi mm. drivers on motorbikes he basically she was on her own and he he assaulted her sexually assaulted her she went to school, but from that moment on, she stopped talking. She lost her voice and she stopped going to school. And everyone was wondering what's going on. Well, eventually it was realized what had happened. And one of the key things, and this girl now is she she's now flourishing. She's she works, I think, as a hairdresser. You know, she's got a salon. She's worked part. She's goes to church. She's got a leader in a youth group. She's now just talking again. You know, she's come through it. But one of the big things for her was that the taxi driver got 10 years in prison. He got put in prison for 10 years. Now, he was he was doing that with impunity. He had no fear of the law because normally he'd get away with it. Normally that wouldn't be. A, but thankfully, we picked up her case and we were able to, to to send him to prison. And that had an impact on the community. Now, if you don't do that, what happens is all the girls from the village stop going to school. So it doesn't matter, you know, you talk about the development work and this is how it's all it's all related. You know, we, we're so important that we have law because if there's no law, if people are in fear of walking to school, then they don't get an education. Or their fear of going to get water, they don't get water. You know, it, it impacts everything of their lives if they can't trust 
in a in a justice system. So thankfully she got justice and then that gave other girls confidence that, okay, I'm protected. It's not going to be just that, you know, that if I go to school on my own and that happens to me, that I'm going to be left in my trauma and I'm going to be just, you know, useless um, and have no justice. And I'm going to be in fear for my life because we've been able to arrest the perpetrator and send them to prison. And the girl now is flourishing because of it. That's so, yes, yeah, so important. Yeah. And God at work. Just, yeah, uh, I love that. And prayer is so key, as you mentioned before, to every step along that way. And in, even in our own things that we're doing and in our own life or in mission work or, or whatever, prayer is so key and central. And you can just look at it and be like, I see God at work right there, or I see that prayer answered right there. Yeah. So thank you for doing uh, the work that you do and the fundraising and support that, that you provide for for IJM. I love seeing how God's working in different people's lives and through different organizations. Thank so mm. thank you guys for the work you do. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. And thank you for what you do. I think you're doing a wonderful job. And um, yeah, keep it up. Keep keep sharing these stories and speaking with people that can inspire others. So I yeah, appreciate what you're doing through your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cool Explorations. You've just heard David Pollandine talk about IJM or International Justice Mission, which can be found at www.ijm.ca. And he's been speaking about how IJM has made a difference in the communities and around the world in really impacting the slave and sex trades and uh, people from abusive situations really helping them out. And uh, God is really at work using this organization. If you would like to reach me for any reason, you can do so at tpeters745 at gmail.com.